I had gotten triggered from the moment I got in the pickup with my husband for this trip. I did not know what was happening. I was being overwhelmed with emotions and triggers that I did not understand. And in looking back at it now, it was a cellular memory of, I'm not safe. This man is not safe. And I don't know how to feel safe. It was cellular memory of being trafficked as a child. By the time we got back um, from that trip, we were 100 miles from home. We stopped and the PTSD from the cellular trauma just took over. I was on the floorboard of the pickup, sobbing. My husband was terrified. And so there we were both in a very triggered state, had no idea what was going on. The truth was literally bubbling over out of my cellular memory and trying to tell me that my body was still stuck as a four-year-old being trafficked. Thanks for tuning in to the Reframing Ministries podcast, where we provide strength for today and hope for tomorrow for caregivers and their families. We'd love to hear how these episodes have helped you. After rating, would you share your story in the review section of your preferred podcast app? Our team at Reframing Ministries loves to hear stories of hope and healing, and now we've played a small part in them. Now, here's Colleen. Reframing family, I want to welcome you to once again, another time together, one that I think is going to be incredibly transformative because Reframing Ministries, two things that Reframing Ministries stands on. One is to speak the truth about what is going on in the world, in our lives, and the brokenness that we have. And the second is that God provides a foundation of hope and renewal in whatever you are going through. My sense is that some of you are very weary and you're wondering if there's anything to hope in or any hope left. And the other is that you're exhausted, that faith and performance have led you to a place of exhaustion. And I have a dear friend, TJ Henderson, who has an unbelievable story. And I don't want to sound magnanimous about that. It's one of an incredible pain, one of deep, deep splinters of hardship, but one where God has shown up and has been transformative in my life and in her life and in many lives. TJ wrote a book called Becoming Untethered, Exposing the Dark Agenda with God's Truth. And I want to say ahead of time, before we go into our discussion, TJ, that we are going to be talking on a subject that is for a mature audience. Um, We won't go into great detail, but this is about sex trafficking, which is a massive $90 billion industry. Um, And it is pervasive and it is in the church. And we are going to address that and also address the fact that you are seen that you are heard and there is hope. And that's where we're going to start with TJ today. TJ, it is so wonderful to see you. It is so good to see you, Colleen. It's been too long. TJ and I spent some very significant days together several several years ago. But long before that, I talked with TJ about what was called a phone call heard around the world. And I want to read this to you. In 2007, a phone call heard around the world made by their son would launch TJ and her family into a deep 
healing journey that would expose horrific hidden childhood trauma. TJ will lead you through the journey it has taken to find real truth through her own story, a story that included human trafficking, satanic ritualistic abuse, and mental and emotional programming. Her journey will help you and many find awareness and healing that is found only through Jesus Christ and the redemptive keys to the kingdom becoming untethered will become a trusted resource for counselors, coaches, spiritual leaders, and I will say anyone who is open to investigating the soul to integrate the Holy Spirit and Jesus into our everyday lives. So TJ, with that, mm. let's get started. Your son made a phone call. Tell us about that. It was a suddenly God moment, Colleen. You know, we read that in scripture in the New Testament. I don't remember exactly where it is. There's a passage in scripture where there's several verses that use the word suddenly. And it was a suddenly moment in our life when we had no idea the depth of darkness that we needed to deal with. We were gonna have to stand against it, shut the door and go, now what, God? And before he asked us to do all of that, he showed up in our life, in everyday life. It was a normal day on the ranch, a normal day that we were taking care of cattle. And this particular day, there was an injured calf that needed tended to. And Logan, our son, and Mike, his dad, my husband, went out to take care of that calf. And in that caring for the land, caring for God's creatures, God touched Logan's heart deeply. Um, as Logan's heart was crying out, um, God, this, this calf was special. Why? I don't understand. And God heard, Logan's, Logan heard God's voice tell him, my son was special, but he died for a purpose. And that would be the beginning of God pulling back the darkness and going, I am here. I see, I know your pain and watch what I'm going to do. And boy, did we stand by and watch what God was going to do. So all of a sudden we found ourselves launched out into the world uh, through the radio station in Houston, Texas, KSBJ, which is the radio station Logan had been talking to through Sky Angel satellite that we listened to at home. So they knew who Logan was when he called. But this day, he picked up the phone and he called them to share the message that God had put on his heart, how God answered his heart's cry of Logan, I know, I gave my son to. And in that moment, it's kind of like time stood still and God just reached out to millions of people through that phone call. And that was before social media. So it was that phone call would be shared by email. Mm -hmm. It would be posted on KSBJ's website. Their website would crash because 6 million people a day were listening to the phone call. <laughs> and we didn't know, we didn't know what was happening. We were going about the message living. in it was amazing. Yeah. We were going about living our life and the radio station called us, gave us that information we, and said, we don't, we don't know if you know what's going on, but this is what's been going on. And so for the next year, especially, but a few years after that's been 16 years ago, we would sit and read messages of people that had been through horrific things, lost children. And Mike and I would just look at each other and go, how is this happening? 
and and people would say mm-hmm. Logan's words have given us hope where we didn't have hope. So it was Colleen. It was a it was a moment in our lives that was orchestrated by heaven of God showing up suddenly, saying, "You're gonna need to know who I am. You're gonna need to know that I care about your hearts that have been ravaged." You're going to need to know that I'm bigger than all of it. And I'm going to use your family, the four of us. I'm going to use you for a good that is far and wide. And evil does not get to use your family. What exactly was Logan's message of hope in that phone call? Mm. Mm, it has been talked about several times by people. And I think the common thoughts or opinions of the man that interviewed him um, on the other end at KSBJ and others of us that listened and go and, you know, and went, what? <laughs> How did this happen? But the core message being God understands in your loss, in your pain, he understands because he gave his son to. That's the core message. And on that day, a calf had died Mm -hmm. and Logan was saying, this calf has been lost. But Jesus also, but God also sent his son mm-hmm. who died for us mm-hmm. and all the darkness that that involves, which then leads me to where you found yourself mm-hmm. years ago in your husband's truck, mm-hmm. having no idea what had transpired. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Yeah. I believe you're referring to what I shared in the book. Uh, We were on a long trip to Texas and I had been getting counseling for years up to this point. I had been to a a Christian psychologist. I'd been working with her for six years. I had been through deliverance to begin to peel back the layers of darkness so that I could understand hopefully what was going on and so this event transpired after i'd been through all of that already and by the end of our trip of going to texas to watch our daughter compete uh, at a college rodeo i had gotten triggered from the moment i got in the pickup with my husband for this trip I did not know what was happening. I was being over overwhelmed with emotions and triggers that I did not understand. And in looking back at it now, it was a cellular memory of I'm not safe. This man is not safe. And I don't know how to feel safe, but it, um, It was cellular memory of being trafficked as a child. By the time we got back um, from that trip, we were 100 miles from home. We stopped. And I was so triggered. And the PTSD from the cellular trauma just took over. I was on the floorboard of the pickup, sobbing. My husband was terrified Um, because I think to this point I truly had convinced him that he was the problem Um, and so there we were both in a very triggered state Mm. had no idea what was going on why after I had done so much work I was still I was actually there was, there was more of it coming to the surface. So it, it felt like things were getting worse and they were because the truth was literally Mm -hmm. 
bubbling over out of my cellular memory and trying to tell me that my body was still stuck as a four-year-old being trafficked. Talk to me more about cellular memory because that is a um, mm. term that is not frequently understood. Yeah. I understand it. You understand sure. it. Trauma experts understand it. Mm -hmm. uh, but there is bodily memory. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's... Um, first of all, it starts with how fearfully and wonderfully we are made by our creator. Uh, those that trafficked me, you know, I was part of a, a network. Uh, what the Holy Spirit has recently uh, named to me as a traffic flow of the occult. And they also work to erase your memory. So they, through drugs, through trauma, through amnesia, um, and sometimes through mind control, which is part of my story, they can erase our conscious memory, which is what happened to me. But our cellular memory remembers the pain, remembers the trauma. So in those places, it, it'll come up into the body as if it's happening in that moment. And oftentimes there's a fragment of our mind mm -hmm. that's connected to that cellular trauma. So somewhere in our mind, where our mind fragmented off, my mind fragmented off to hold that trauma because I didn't have anybody, I had nowhere safe day to day. So your mind fragments to get you through day to day. And that trauma is literally recorded in your cellular being. Um, some people call it epigenetics, um, where it's passed down in our DNA. It's, it's complex, but it's so real. Mm. Well, it's a, it's a way to survive. So mm -hmm. it's also a disassociative state yeah. where your body and your person mm -hmm. experiences something that you don't have the tools or the capability or the development mm -hmm. to endure. Mm -hmm. And so God gave us a survival pathway that sadly the enemy will take down a very long road, mm -hmm. but it splits us and it causes an, a separation mm -hmm. of our identity and who we are as we were created and then our development moving forward yes how old were you now that you've looked back and continued to work on this mm -hmm. how old were you when this began when trafficking began i'm gonna give you an answer that's gonna step us into a some complex waters that we probably won't fully go into today. All right. But it started in the, it started in the womb. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The actual trafficking of my body uh, started at ages three and four. And for those who are so unfamiliar with what trafficking is like, mm -hmm. in a way that we can somewhat take in. What did that look like for you? Mm -hmm. Not the details, but I'm talking about, we pass by people every single day who are trafficking children. Yes. And we would never know it. Right, right. One way we wouldn't know it when we see them in public, and one way it wasn't being known for me is they used quite a few drugs on me. So sedatives, um, I'm not for sure all the kinds of drugs they used. I just know they used them. I don't have all my memories from childhood, and I believe that's a blessing from God. The memories he has allowed me to know so that the cellular trauma can be healed. 
were memories of being left um, at a laundromat um, to be trafficked. Um, I have a memory of being um, dropped off at a college campus. Um, there are more complex memories that deal with satanic ritual abuse where all kinds of trafficking happens mm -hmm. of different kinds of our bodies, our minds to program us, um, to follow Satan's ways pretty much. That's kind of it in a nutshell. I had memories of, um, family members around me that, that, that traumatized, sexually raped me, yes. When you talk about programming, it's a, it's a term that I've had to come to understand. <laughs> and I equate it with, in kindergarten, first and second grade, and third, fourth and fifth grade, I remember having to write my times tables. And it was like writing one times one, one times two, one times three, one times four, again and again and again. Mm -hmm. So that repetitive nature created the neural pathway for remembrance, mm -hmm. which is a wonderful thing, unless it's bent towards evil programming, right. which is a repetitive action of evil mm -hmm. that results in a belief, and then it's an automatic path that is followed. Mm -hmm. Would you say that would be um, an understandable way to describe programming on a very top level. We're not doing the deep level shelf yet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I would say so, Colleen. Uh, I've learned that there's all kinds of programming, but at a young age in our developmental stages, they love and, and most programming has to be rooted in the heart. So, the more a child is fragmented and traumatized, the more programming they can put in. And so the, the occult and the world that does mind control of children that are fragmented and not taken care of are prime targets for programming to serve evil agendas. Thanks again for listening to the Reframing Ministries podcast. If Reframing Ministries has been helpful in your life walk, we'd be honored to have you partner with us in prayer and in financial support. We operate entirely and only on your generous gifts and donations. Would you consider giving just $10 a month to help caregivers and their families receive resources full of help, hope, and healing? You can partner with us at reframingministries.com give. In a place in the book, you say you felt different from a very young age. Mm -hmm. What was that experience like day to day? Mm -hmm. I've struggled, I have fought depression since I was a small, small child, as long as I can remember. I didn't, I don't have memories of playing with children. I don't have memories of being um, carefree. Being carefree was never part of my childhood. Um, I don't have memories of being hugged, um, being told I was loved. Um, yeah, there was just, the older I got, the more I realized this depression has plagued me all of my life. And as I became a, a married woman, having children of my own and, you know, living in a safe life, but waking up having no idea why I was crying. Um, yeah. At, at one point I began to realize that my entire life, there's been something wrong with me. Mm -hmm.
or that you were taught to believe something was wrong with you, mm -hmm. but there isn't, mm -hmm. that something wrong happened mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. And we easily go to, uh, it's my husband who's the problem. It's the fact that I have no money that's the problem. Mm -hmm. It's that work is too hard that's the problem, or for whatever mm -hmm. reason, we feel flawed. Mm -hmm. And you have had to work so very hard to realize your identity mm -hmm. is not flawed, that your life experience has been very wounding. Help us understand how to separate that out and give hope mm -hmm. to those who feel flawed in, the very, in their very soul, mm -hmm. because they're not. Yeah, amen, amen. Stories like mine, where the soul is fragmented, spirit is fragmented, the heart is mm. been uh, deeply, deeply wounded, isolated, programmed. It's uh, a journey of having to look evil in the face, to know what has happened to us so that it can be processed out and then we can begin to walk in who we are in Christ Jesus because my my journey Colleen that I want to spare people from is I spent 25 years seeking counseling memorizing scripture going to church, worshiping God, leading Bible studies. And I was only getting worse. Mm -hmm. And it's because there was this deep layer of all this trauma and everything else was being built upon that. But at some point, I mean, the foundation was cracking and at some point it had to all fall in and begin to rebuild. He often takes me back to to Genesis, the book of Genesis, when God said to Adam and Eve, I don't want you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I've come to realize he did not make us to know evil. And when we know evil intimately as a child, it wrecks you in deep, complex ways that man cannot heal, only God can heal. And so Colleen, I don't know that I would change on this side of it. I don't know that I would change any of my story because I know Jesus in ways I would never know Jesus because I was so desperate. And I so badly wanted to love my husband the way God made me to love him. He's a faithful, God-fearing, simple man. And I could not love him the way he needed to be loved. He's amazing. And my children, oh my goodness. They joke. They say, they say, Mom, you finally know how to give a hug. <laughs> but sadly, you know, it took almost 20 years of their life before their mom knew how to hug them. And so that is kind of a long answer to your question. But it, um, knowing Jesus knowing the heavenly resources that he has given to us. Those of us that have been in, have experienced deep evil, he's given us so many heavenly resources and the church hasn't taught us how to use them and walk in them. Um, all of those things are reasons why I would not change my story and reasons why he has changed me. 
I, I just picture like a machete going through the, the wilderness <laughs> saying, this path has to be cut. We have to make a way. And there are very few. In fact, you even write on page 77, if we can't go to church for answers with stories like mine, rooted, and my word would also include entangled, with deep tethers, yeah. then where can we go? Yeah. Because you are speaking to people who have the deep tethers, whether it be the, the trafficked, um, the abused, the violated, the evil that has split a person's heart mm -hmm. that God grieves over. Yeah. Um, what do you say to the church where we start? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And it immediately reminds me of a phrase that the Holy Spirit dropped into my being three months ago. It was sudden, it was loud. Mm -hmm. And he said, the church has been raped by her ignorance. It stopped me in my tracks. And I said, Lord, that is a really strong word. And as I began to pray about it and think about it, what, what the Holy Spirit was saying, what he was communicating, he also gave me Hebrews 5.2, which says that Jesus has compassion on the ignorant. And so in, in this place where the church has been ignorant to what's been happening under her nose, um, and while the church is, I hope, waking up and I hope getting on board with all that God wants to do through the church, he is raising up people, people like you, people like myself, to go, these things are happening. We need to be there for people. We need to be there for our children. We need to be there for a generation that is self-destructing because they have nowhere to go to talk about the demonic dreams they have, to talk about uh, chronic masturbation and why they struggle with that and where it originally came from. That That's not natural to a child when they are just a child before the hormones come. That is not natural. Where are, are they going to go if we, if we don't rise up and we don't start naming the truth mm -hmm. and bringing darkness to light and giving the tools and the weapons that Jesus has given to us to put them into their hands so they can stand and fight their own way out of the darkness that has engulfed them. I have to ask this because I don't know if um, ignorance, I think it's been chosen ignorance, mm -hmm. perhaps. Um, I have a book that I just picked up called Operation Screwtape, which is on the heels of C.S. Lewis's book, mm -hmm. Screwtape Letters. It's not written by Lewis, mm -hmm. but it's um, a more modern day look at how the enemy comes mm -hmm. to steal, mm -hmm. to kill, and to destroy. And in the introduction, he says that the church has been given plenty of knowledge mm -hmm. and plenty of information about self-will to try and work their own stuff out. And when that stuff cannot be worked out, which you and I know mm -hmm. on the cellular level, mm -hmm. on, the, on the level that is habituated inside of us, mm -hmm. it will take a bigger thing than a verse. And that's where people get exhausted. By do, like you said, I was teaching, I was memorizing mm -hmm. verses, I was involved mm -hmm. in church, I was doing all the things that the church would say, but at large, not, not, 
naming one church, but by and large, mm -hmm. the Christian community would say, do these behaviors. Mm -hmm. And it's exhausting when that core mm -hmm. is still not pulled. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I'm hearing you say to pull, to get to the core, one has to begin with their own internal story. Yes. How have you, as the layers have been peeled back, mm -hmm. how have you been able to move forward with your identity is not in a sex traffic survivor. Mm -hmm. It is in someone who has been splintered and God is in the healing process of providing uh, congruency and integration mm -hmm. where there was once disintegration. Mm -hmm. Because one is identity and one is a story. And the church is all about big stories. And I'm not about a big story. Like you said, the, the foundation had to fall in. Mm -hmm. And that's the first part of, of reframing someone's life is it gets really sucky and really, really yucky and messy. Yeah, it does. And it's hard to sit with people if we haven't sat in our own muck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what would that, what does it look like for you if you were to go to a, to a gathering body mm -hmm. and say, we're going to walk alongside people who are... Mm -hmm in darkness, mm -hmm. where do you begin? There is no pat answer because everybody's story is different. And he has in my, in my layers of healing, you know, he, he took me through the counseling and the, and the deliverance and then beginning to understand the courts of heaven where I had to address the ritual abuse. I have learned that there is not one set process to walk somebody through because everybody's story is different. And the way people have been afflicted has been different. So the best way is to sit down, engage Jesus and heaven and go, where do you want to start? Sometimes people, before they know their story, sometimes they have dreams. Sometimes, you know, they have reactions they don't understand. Sometimes they have things that trigger them. And those are some common things that I've seen that Jesus uses to step into the waters of, okay, let's step in and, and begin to address this. So it's a, it's a personal level calling and it's what Jesus did, right? When he, he sat with the woman at the well and he began to name things of her story that he shouldn't have known. And he sat with her and began to name those. And in my 25 years of going through this process, that is the best and most healing way to engage people's stories where there's darkness ruling, where there's fragmentation. Yes, you have to address some demonic. Yes, you have to address some fragmented uh, personalities that hold their own stories. And those aren't bad because they've been doing very important jobs. And so my, my integration has been, it's, it's been complex, honestly, but it's a, it's a day to day of Jesus. What is here? What do you want to show me? And, and what do you want to do with it? And that's where the church, that's where the church needs so desperately to show up yeah yes to listen yeah you talk a lot about um open doors and spiritual legalities mm -hmm. um what does that mean what does that look like on a deeper level because it's easy to show up at church on sunday and to look a certain way and to assume that everyone's fine 
when inside there are strongholds mm -hmm. that um, the church hasn't addressed. Yeah. So talk about the the spiritual legality term. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you asked that question because it is it is one that it seems like I encounter often that people that have been raised in the church and they've been raised even to know their identity in Christ and the works of the cross and the blood of Jesus, they have a hard time understanding of, well, I have all that. So how can there be any spiritual legalities? And it's, uh, it's taken me a while and I'm still learning how, how to put words to what I've experienced. There's different ways that spiritual legalities can happen. They can be passed down generation to generation, something that has been uh, a generational curse, something that whether it's alcoholism, lying, whatever it might be, it takes somebody to step in to repent to say, I, I don't want that in my life anymore. Mm -hmm. And I renounce it. And I ask you, Jesus, to do what your word says, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us, to heal us. So that's kind of the core basis of, of what it is. For those of us that have had more complex trauma, where you have to deal with satanic rituals, whether it's the Masons, where whatever organization it has been that your ancestors have taken an oath and a vow to, to follow their ways. And oftentimes they don't realize when they take those oaths and vows, if they mm -hmm. take the oath and they don't walk in it, there's consequences to the next generations. So somebody has got to step in mm -hmm. and say, no, I renounce that. I don't agree with that oath and that vow. And right here, right now, I'm cutting yes. that off. And I'm saying, no more do you have legal right to torment me and to, be, and to ravage my life and my family's lives. I love that you used, um, that you spoke of oaths and vows, because of course we know there's um, a, a vow in marriage. Right. Um, we vow or we give our children when we um, commit them to raising them a certain way. Mm. And there's oftentimes in abuse, in a domestic abuse, there's there's a vow to be committed to an abuse, to be a, the abuser. They've committed to rage. That's been a passed down habitual response to something. Mm -hmm. And that has to be broken mm -hmm. for there to be unity in the marriage. Mm -hmm. You mentioned pornography, the habitual response to a um, bodily, physical, God-given mm -hmm. pleasure mm -hmm. in marriage, in the context of mm -hmm. marriage. But when it's taken out, then it is now turned into darkness. Yeah. You have really walked through what is an oath? What does my word mean? As we, TJ, I could talk to you forever. And y'all, I just I, want you to know, I agree. TJ is amazing. And Mike is amazing. I, mm. I, I love he it. Is. So is. I got to ask this one more question. So Mike is your husband uh -huh. who who's amazing. I know he's not perfect, but he's mm. precious and amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What has he, um, how has he, what has he done that has helped facilitate you to be where you are today? Mm. Oh my goodness. There's a few key things that come to my mind. So when you, when a person has been a, a survivor, of, of so many things, particularly out of a family of origin, almost always they send you out barefooted. Like 
you have no resources to um, get what you need, whether that's counseling, whether that's um, medical care. Yeah, it's very common. So I came into our marriage with nothing. Mike has been a faithful protector, provider, and whatever I have needed, whatever Jesus has said, okay, this is what I want you to do next. Whether it's counseling, whether it's ketamine treatments, whether it's, um, you know, supplements, whatever it might be, Mike has been on board. I guess what, whatever it takes. Mike has been faithful through the times that I just wrecked his heart through my accusations, through my self-protection, through um, all the complexities of trauma that I, you know, when I would look at him and go, you're a man and I'm triggered and you must be the problem. And he, he has endured so much and he has stayed constant. He has stayed faithful. And in the times when we had to work on things together, because he, he had retreated uh, and communication got hard and the enemy was taking advantage of it. He showed up. He's like, okay, we need to work on this. So he was obedient to his vow, which was to honor you mm -hmm. and to love you as Christ loved the church. Yeah. And not perfectly. None of us can do that perfectly, but faithfully mm -hmm. showing up and providing. Yeah. So, TJ, we have to come to a close. <laughs> um, can you give hope to those who have done everything you've talked about doing mm -hmm. with memorizing the word, going to church, being faithful in and out of season, those who are weary, mm -hmm. those who have done all the faith things mm -hmm. um, and they're looking out thinking, I, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm not understood. The church doesn't understand me mm -hmm. and I don't want to move forward. Mm -hmm. Run to Jesus. It's, it's, it's the same answer I give over and over when people ask me that. Because I, I still have days. I still have days where I will have a dream. Something will come to the surface again. Oh my God, I'm so tired. Mm -hmm. I am so weary of this journey. And yes, I'm getting better. We can all see I'm getting better. But that constant of Jesus, every time, Colleen, every time mm -hmm. I run to Jesus and I go, what in the hell is going on again? He will show me. He will show me. Mm -hmm. He will answer. He will take me to his word. He will take me to uh, someone to pray with who also hears his voice. And, and he shows up in ways that most churches don't experience. And in my journey, this is, this is for another book, but for many of us that have been through extreme trauma, we have an angel that either lives on the inside of us, mm. is with us, and they have been our entire journey. Mm. And we have access to resources in heaven that the church hasn't been teaching us about, mm. Mm -hmm. that are, um, they're huge. They're, they're life changing. And, and I've, I've learned that if I don't walk in my gifting that's born out of all the trauma, if I don't walk in knowing my angel, if I don't walk in pressing to hear the voice of Jesus, I will go, I will go back to thinking I'm crazy 
because I still pick up on all the spiritual things going on around me. And so the short answer would be pressing into Jesus. Mm -hmm. Who is he? What gifts has he given to you? Out of your darkness, out of your trauma, because I promise you there are some. And there's most likely a wealth of heavenly resources in angels and heavenly helpers that you haven't even tapped into. That is so true. In the few years that I have known you mm -hmm. and pursued what you have um, and a few others have said, pursued this pursue this individual or pursue this ministry, mm -hmm. um, God shows up. And in fact, just before we started, mm -hmm. John and I now will often say mm -hmm. in the car at home, Jesus, 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 mm -hmm. Jesus. We just say his name uh -huh. <laughs> because that's all we know to say. And then he will do, he will lead us to the next thing moment by moment. I wish it was... Mm -hmm. Like year by year, that'd be so lovely. <laughs> but he keeps us so dependent because we can't do it without him. No, he is he is raising up an army calling that knows him. And it comes through Jesus, 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 always. Not, mm -hmm. it's quieting the noise and just calling his name mm -hmm. again and again. Mm -hmm. I mean, if my kids called my name, I'm right there. And I'm a human flawed mom. <laughs> Think of how much more a perfect heavenly father, mm -hmm. when you call his name, is right there mm -hmm. saying, I love you. I love you. I'm with you. I'm for you. The enemy is against you, but I'm for you. And don't worry, I have overtaken the world and I will carry you mm -hmm. and care for you. Amen. And you are an embodiment of that, TJ, by choosing to pursue. Um, and to put a pinprick through the darkness, which shines the light of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I want to say to all of you, Becoming Untethered, T.J. Henderson's book mm -hmm. is an awakening. And you referred to another book, T.J., which I hope is in the works. Mm -hmm. Is there a way for people to connect with you? Should they want to hear more or know more? I have a website. It's T.J. Henderson, just like my name is spelled T-E-E-J-A-Y. Henderson.com. I hope that you will look up TJ if you have gotten, if you have gained some hope or insight through our time together. TJ, thank you for being so vulnerable mm -hmm. in our time together. Thank you for having me, Colleen. It has been a privilege and an honor to be with you. Thank you again for joining us today at Reframing Ministries. You can find the show notes in the description below. The Reframing Ministries podcast is a production of Insight for Living Ministries.